You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers. This is an episode of What's Up in Dramaland with Anissa and Boroma. Hi, I'm Anissa. In this episode, we talk briefly about K-drama-related news stories and then move on to a discussion of primetime K-dramas premiering this month. As usual, we talk big about watching more shows than we could realistically manage. We're a bit late, we've been playing catch-up, but we should be back on schedule soon. Also, one note about the story I mentioned about Ijia. Her ex-husband's name is Soteji, formerly of the iconic group Soteji and the Boys, and the scandal broke not when they filed for divorce, which happened years earlier in the US, but when she sued him for alimony in Korea. So, sorry for that mix-up. This episode was produced with the support of our Patreon patrons. Thank you so much! You can find our page at patreon.com slash dramasoverflowers. And now, let's dive into what's been happening in Dramaland and what we're excited to watch next. Hi everyone, this is Anissa. And this is Parma, and you're listening to another What's Up in Dramaland. Welcome back, guys. It's been weird because the news cycle has been so strange, even for dramas. But we did have like one story that we wanted to talk about, which isn't like a, a like a breaking news story, but it's more like um, a trend. So there was a story in the Korea Jungang Daily, which was talking about how, well, the title of the article is In the World of Variety Shows, the Future is Female. I think that's like overstating it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it does talk about some new variety shows that have been successful with like largely female casts or like all female casts, which has been... This is something we've talked about in the past when we've discussed like two days and one night um, and like Running Man and stuff. But Korean variety shows tend to be really, really male dominated. Like Infinite Challenge is, I think, always had male casts and um, Two Days and One Night has always had an all male cast. And even though they bring on like female guests, but the, the core sort of star MCs and like the core cast tend to all usually be male comedians. Yeah. Um, so they ha- are saying that it's like slowly getting better very slowly. I mean, even now, and we'll link these articles um, in the show notes. So this article says that out of 39 popular reality shows, there were like 62.7% male um, appearances and 37.3% female appearances. So it's pretty imbalanced. Um, And I remember talking on the podcast about Sisters Slam Dunk. Mm -hmm. Was it like two years ago? Or Yeah, Yeah. that was a really, really good. And I I remember at the time being like, oh my gosh, a variety show with all women. And it it was so... I cried so much. Like there was so much like female solidarity, but not in like a sort of hokey... I'm sure there's an element of it that's produced, but it felt authentic because you could see that these women were like actually forming relationships as the sort of as the program went on. Yeah. Um, and so there's this show that came out recently on um, it's not a channel I've heard of before, but it's TCAS E channel. Um, and it's a new variety show called Sporty Sisters. Um And it's actually just a bunch of professional golf stars, like female professional golf stars. And they just go and do things together, like camping and like (laughs) things that professional athletes don't get time to do, like normal life things that they just start training all the time. So um, it's actually been really, it has like good ratings and a lot of success. So, um, and it's actually going to be available to stream on Netflix or I guess it started streaming on Netflix from September 15th, but I don't know if that's like only in Korea, probably. Okay, we'll um, have to look that up, but hopefully it comes to my neck of the woods. I ha- I don't, I haven't watched a fully female or even like a majority female uh, variety show. Like the ones that I have checked up and most of them are, you know, recommendations you give me. Uh, a So it, they've all been like largely male. And there is a way these shows are produced where it kind of um where they really emphasize the goofiness goofiness of the of male humor and male bonding um and i think that may kind of be why like whenever you have a, a female character there they are it's they're there more because they're laughing at how goofy the men are and how dumb they are <laughs> And it's not so much that they are an active part. I mean, they are an active part of the uh, show. It's not like they aren't. But it's like they are also there. (laughs) And I think that might harken back to the fact that uh, society thinks that men are funnier. 
and that they bond better than women do with each other. In this article, they interviewed a bunch of female comedians and how, and they were talking about how long it took them to get a single entertainment award when their colleagues, like their male colleagues who have been in the industry for the same amount of time have been, you know, getting awards for years. Like one of them, um, Jang Doyeon, who's like awesome. She's really cool. She said, well, she was sitting in 2007 when she got her first entertainment award she said i was sitting there and i realized there were only five stairs to get from here at the seats to the stage but it took me 13 years to climb up those last five steps yeah so and she's like really well known i mean she she's been active for such a long time they were saying that because the entertainment shows are like overwhelmingly male centered they have there's this bias from like i don't know if it's from like broadcasters or from audiences or maybe both but like female-led programs are like quote-unquote boring and that and they want to stick to safe quote-unquote formats which like safe just means like men yeah (laughs) um because those are the ones that get ratings but there's another thing that i've always noticed about these variety shows that have like a core male cast and then they have like a rotating um roster of guests who come on and they kind of you know because they're promoting a movie or like a drama or just because they're the guests of the week and like I used to find myself skipping the ones with the female guests who were like either really young or very very like famous sometimes because the entire thing would just be the entire male cast being like oh my god she's so beautiful oh my god she's coming like like there's only yeah like it's just all about objectifying how beautiful she is and it's like especially gross when they're all like in their 40s and like twice comes yeah yeah. and and they're all and twice is like i don't know like i think at the time it was a show where they were all still like a lot of them were like in their late teens and early 20s and i was like this is gross (laughs) because they end up doing these games right but a lot whenever they have female guests like there's always games where there's like a lot of touching or like a lot of like make-believe yeah. romantic-esque kind of storyline it's just gross and 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 it's the gross. weird thing is if it's like a male uh young male celebrity they're immediately inducted into the group as a dong saying mm-hmm. but if it's a young mm-hmm. female celebrity they're like oh well you know like oh she's so pretty she's you know oh so charismatic it's, it's not a dong saying um you know Opa relationship, it suddenly becomes like, you know, a possible romantic angle, no matter how young the celebrity is. It's very gross. Yeah. And it's like, and like all, they're all like married with kids, but somehow they're existing in this like alternate reality where like, it's just all about like, yeah, you, you can only relate to a woman one way, clearly. Pretty much. And it's like, either you have those women or you have the women who are comedians um, and they're just labeled as like ugly. Yeah. Like completely and, like, they asexual. Just are, like mocked it's for like, their love. They, yeah. they can't be attractive to anyone. It's just impossible. Right. It's kind of like what we were talking about in our um, in episode 66 when we were talking about the representation of like bodies and like fat shaming and stuff and how yeah. Youngja has been treated in a lot of her variety shows. Right. She's such a boss. I love her. <laughs> I looked her up afterwards. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> She's pretty cool. She's amazing. Yeah. You, you just like read her interviews and you're like, wow, role model. Agreed. But I'm really excited to see that there's a shift and, you know, hopefully it'll last that there'll be more, more um, female led and female cast variety shows even like the fact that the new um pd of one night two days season four is female is exciting to me and i keep forgetting that i want to like go back and check out more episodes yeah because there's too much to watch but but. give it some time before you go back and check out episodes because change might not come immediately she's walking into a structure that's been established for i don't know at this point decades (laughs) feels like decades yeah (laughs) And it's a very, like, entrenched format because that's a very long-running show. They've been going for, um, yeah, I think 11 years or something. It is decades to me. More than one decade. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I look forward to the future of Variety, which may have a little more female. I don't think it'll be completely female-dominated. Unlike the... Yeah, the future (laughs) is not female. Sorry, Korea Jingang Daily. That's a little bit over the top, but... Um, it's good to see some change. It's good to just see some like conversation about the fact that there is a discrepancy because that's where you start from for to bring change. True. Do you see my cat's butt? <laughs> I saw your cat's butt many times. It is a cute cat. It is a big it's fat okay. cat and it refuses to get off my table. He's like, I know you're recording right now, mama. That's why I'm here. This kind of stuff is just what happens constantly. <laughs> Okay, should we move on to the next story? Sure. So the um the next couple of things are just sort of quick things that we wanted to mention. One thing is um 
There's a journalist called Aisha Harris. Mm. She's done a lot of really great reporting on race and culture. Um, she currently works for NPR, but while she was the last piece that she worked on while she was at the New York Times was a really great sort of retrospective um, history and like up to the current day of blackface in American pop culture. Mm. And I just wanted to link that because we talked about blackface in the context of Korea in that representation in drama land special. We just talked about it kind of at, we only really mentioned where it originated, but I thought um if you're less interested in seeing kind of how it's evolved over the years and that and like how where it still shows up because it does still show up in American culture a lot. Um it's a pretty interesting read and it's a really well written article. So um check that out if you're interested. Um, and the other thing is, like, I saw this news story that Warner Brothers is withdrawing from the South Korean market. Um, and the only reason, and this is like the movie, the movie um, branch, right? So this is like, I think they released The Age of Shadows, um, which I have, it was actually like part of my master's thesis. I wrote about that. But I also feel a lot of like schadenfreude because like, they kind of destroyed drama fever and then they just like killed it. They just like buried it. So um yeah. I feel like it's poetic justice that they're withdrawing from South Korea because they can't make any money there. Or maybe it's just a sign that they don't know what to do with what they had and use it properly because they could have had something. I, I don't, I again, I, I just want to put this in as, you know, my, my staple objection. I don't think that's why um, drama fever kind of ended. I mean, but yay for Warner Bros. leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, though uh, before we go off, uh, guys, I would really ask you to um, read the article or at least, you know, go look up the article that we have uh, linked in the show notes below. The article on the on blackface because it, the site does this amazing um, kind of slideshow type of thing like this. There is this whole interactive aspect to it where you see how many movies in the past you know decade or two have used blackface uh, both in commentary and just because you know it, it didn't yeah. seem like the worst idea to them apparently it's really striking and like you know we're in audio format but seeing it visually like that is so impactful yeah and it really it has a very different impact just looking at it like that yeah it's really well done yeah um and she goes into like when is it okay what are the arguments of why it's okay? Who has done it? What was their justification? So it's like really, really well done. Okay. So please go check out that link and just, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to upcoming dramas, some of which we have already discussed in previous months. <laughs> yeah. As usual, coronavirus is messing up our upcoming schedules yeah. and a lot of other things for many, for many people. Yeah, It's, it's ways, not so. like the worst tragedy that it's messing up no. our schedules. <laughs> We're good. We can wait a little more for each Yeah. We'll we'll survive. That's true. So hmm. Dodo, Soul Soul, La La Soul, and Private Lives are both they've been moved to October seventh. Mm -hmm. Um and we've talked about them before. So Yeah. The first new drama that we're talking about that's upcoming in October is My Dangerous Wife, which is airing on October fifth. <laughs> Okay, I, I I really enjoy watching Kim Yoon Chul in, in like any kind of lead performance. So it's, yeah, I mean, it, I, I was so happy that he got to, you know, he, he got to be the lead in um, Mystic, what? Mystic Cafe? Mystic, Mystic Pop-Up Bar. Pop-Up Bar. He was really good in that. Oh my God, he was. And I, I was just so delighted. Cheo Young. Young. Oh, did I did I miss say his name? I think oh, I said the, the character, character name. name. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just I'm terrible at remembering names, <laughs> unless it's, it's like Park Bogam and Park so yeah, I can remember. It's true. Um. So he yeah he was amazing there. So I'm really looking forward to this. And this looks like such a fun. I I don't know if this is supposed to be fun. Is this supposed to be mellow? Because the um yeah I mean it's like a adultery drama. It's also. Like, there's kidnapping. It looks mukjang, honestly. It, but also, this cast is great. So, yeah. it's based on a Japanese. Um, the original is Japanese. Right. It's just that the poster kind of makes it seem like it could be mukjang, but also, I don't know, kind of be... Uh... It looks a bit like perfume. <laughs> the first poster was saw for perfume. Oh, yeah, you're right. It actually did look familiar and I couldn't, like, place it. It does look, it does look a bit like perfume, which... 
a lot of people said like got better post the first couple of episodes so hey you never know yeah i'm sure this is going to be lo- nothing like perfume but the poster is definitely similar so basically it stars uh kim jong-un as like a smart kind-hearted and wealthy lady who's married to chaewon young's character um they've been married for six years but then like she gets involved in a mysterious kidnapping case i don't really understand what that means like is she being kidnapped is she kidnapping someone else <laughs> like what kind of involvement is this um and chaewon young is a chef he's a handsome chef that's basically his uh her personality but then he gets bored with his wife and gets interested in somebody else so that's maybe he gets kidnapped. so adultery and kidnapping <laughs> Maybe he deserves to get kidnapped. Yeah, no, I can see him being like a really rotten husband character. Uh, playing, playing. I'm not saying that's what he is. He's good at playing evil. He's good at playing bad, you know? Yeah. Like bad, but charming. That's true. I mean, he's an Alice and uh, I'm just, I cannot figure out if he's the good guy or the bad. I think they've established that he's probably on, you know, sort of the good guy side. But I can't tell because his vibe is just so off. <laughs> he could mm. be evil any moment now. <laughs> yeah, he's really good at writing that line of like, are you creepy? Are you suspicious? Are you just like very charming? Who knows? That's. I don't think... I've watched Kim Jong-un in uh, anything, have I? She was um, really, I feel like she was more popular in like the late 90s and no, like the early 2000s. She was in a lot of big hits. Okay. Um, like she was in like a Kim and suk drama, like uh, Lovers in Paris. Ooh. That was really big in 2004. That was like one of her huge dramas. Yeah. And then she was also in Lovers, which is another Kim and suk drama. So like those like mid 2000s, she was really big. And then she was in like On Air, which kind of flopped. And like she did a couple that flopped. She did I Am Legend, which I watched. She was good in that, but like it flopped, sadly. Mm. Um, it was like a rock music musician like a rock band drama that turned into like a paralegal drama it's really weird <laughs> she was wasted in that kim Hyuk was wasted in that like oh no sorry not kim Hyuk. lee Hyuk. the weasel the weasel <laughs> he was the he was technically like the male lead but he had nothing to do it was oh, no. sad you know have you noticed that uh, there are you know sometimes when you're an up-and-coming actor and you have one project that fails really badly you kind of have to go into hiding for a few years before you can emerge into like, you know, prominent roles again. And I think, um, mm. what's his name? Nam Joo Hyuk is probably one of those, like after Bride of Habek, you could not see him anywhere for a bit. And yeah, like because he had that amazing hit in weightlifting fairy and then Habek happened. Yeah, although he was an upcoming actor, but she was like a really big star. Like she was kind of, I would say at that time, you could have almost called her like A-list if you're talking about like drama actors. No, no, no. I'm, I, I, but... I do mean Weasel. I don't, I'm, I'm talking about oh, Weasel. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were talking about Kim Jong-un. Yeah. Weasel. Machada. Yeah. He, unfortunately, will forever be Weasel unless he does, like, you know, one of those characters that get, kind of overshadow this one. But yeah. It's, it's definitely his most memorable role. But at least he gets lead, uh, you know. Well, he's had like a couple lead roles. 365 was good. Why do we always end up talking about Ejun Yuk again? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he deserves it. He does. He does. And you're right. I mean, I just started watching 365. It's just that weirdly, I, 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 am, I am actually currently watching 365, but I keep forgetting that it's the same actor in Forest of Secrets and 365. They just seem like totally different characters. That's because he's really good. Yeah. That's true. We stand. We do. Okay. Hmm. Okay, so the next one is Tale of the Nine Tales. I think I briefly mentioned this in the um, last wait. Uh, wait, does anybody else know we call this wait? <laughs> What's up in <laughs> We don't even have a consistent like yeah, acronym because I call it WUD. You guys call it WID. I, I don't even know. Exactly. It's confusing. Um, so... I, I I mentioned it because of Kim Bum, um, of the that's right, you know F four fame, <laughs> Boys Over Flowers, because I hadn't seen him in anything for years. I'm sure he had been doing stuff. I just hadn't seen him in anything, and I was like, well, he and I had seen I think clips of this, uh, you know, trailers and teasers of these dramas in the last month, and then I realized he's not the lead. He's the potential uh, second lead slash antagonist because the lead mm. is Lee Dong-wook and he's Yay. playing a Kumiho. Oh my god. 
I kind of love how the Gumiho is a man. I know. I, have we ever seen a Gumiho that's a man before? Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, I I think with folk tales, um, you there there can be um like with Korean folk tales there can be male uh, Gumihos. I think you when you had that Gu family book, you had male mm-hmm. Gumihos there. Uh, you can correct oh, me. I, I didn't watch I, I watched that. all of three episodes there before I noped out. But I'm pretty sure. That oh, I didn't even try to watch that show. <laughs> Isangi's dad was a nine-tailed gubiho, I think. Um, Okay, anyway, so coming back to this one. You guys might hear my cat in the background. Apologies. (laughs) Um, So, so I got really excited about this. But unfortunately, then I saw that Joboa is this crappy reporter lady following supernatural stories. And I got, yeah, a lot less excited (laughs) about the whole project. Oh, you don't like Joboa? I really don't. Uh, she is she is one of those um, actors who keep getting cast in characters where she is unnecessarily aggressive in that, you know, she, she'll argue unreasonably in the face of facts. I don't know why she keeps getting cast as those characters, but I, I kind of feel like I that's mean, her stereotype. I feel like she was really good in Puksu. That's the one Puksu's That's back. the one drama you can say she was seriously good. And that was only because they tried to give her a level of nuance to match... What's his name? Uh, Yusungo. Oh my god, you forgot his name? Saya's gonna come back and haunt you. I can't actually remember what the official English title of that drama was. No. I can only remember what the Korean Re- title meant. Revenge of something. No, well, his name means revenge, yeah. but... I kind of forget. Anyway. Re- revenge of the Y'all know which drama that is. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure it'll come to me at like 2 a.m. when I'm trying to sleep. Yeah, probably. And and the thing is, they had tried to give Jopua a level of uh, nuance there. And uh, I think they only partially succeeded because they kind of decided to... Ah, her, uh, I, anyway, I've already aired my objections to what happened with her character back when the drama was airing. So back to this. Can you tell us the premise? Oh, yeah. I forgot to do that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the story features the mythical nine-tailed fox or Kumiho, Eon, that's our lead, um, who has just settled in the city. Able to transform into human form, he goes about cleansing human spirits, all the while creating havoc. Enter the talented television producer Namjia, whose current show features urban mates. With nerves of steel, she will stop at nothing to secure the unusual, if not dangerous, subject matter to her show. She sets her sights on Eon, who appears just too good to be true. Irresistibly handsome, intelligent, fit. <laughs> In fact, the ideal guest. I mean, he is fit. <laughs> he, he is no super lie. fit. However, he seems like Edward Cullenish white in this uh, poster. Like he, It's like he's a vampire. I'm not sure what's going on with this guy. Okay. Irresistibly handsome, intelligent fit. Okay. But his heartlessness will render doubt in her that he is indeed of this world. <laughs> Stepbrother to Eon is the captivating Irang. Hey, let me just check if Eon and Irang are, you know, the correct. Oh, yeah. E- Eon is uh, Idongok and Irang is Kimbop. <clears throat> yes. Okay, so back to stepbrother. Oh, they're stepbrothers. Yeah, oh. of course they are. They can't possibly be siblings when one is so evil. Stepbrother to Eon is the captivating Irang, reputed to be the most dangerous of all Kumihos living among humans. Despite being half human himself, he harbors a deep seated contempt for all people. For sport, he will unleash his seductive power, <laughs> seductive prowess upon his human to show. <laughs> By promising to grant them their wishes, only to trick them into paying a hefty price for their earthly desires. Can I just say, like, uh, kudos to Lee Cox at My Drama List, because this is a really well-written summary. It's lovely. Thank you so much. I was just about to comment at how much effort goes into writing these summaries, because they're often taken from, like, really unreliable translation of, like, you know, original Korean. So, yeah, thank you. This is great. This is a very high quality summary. It is. Anisa, how do you feel about this? <laughs> I mean, I'm not as much into the supernatural stuff as you guys are. Everyone knows that. But like, I don't know. I I feel like this um this narrative of the character who's of mixed heritage, it ends up being the evil one, is kinda tired and a little bit 
it's not racist because one of them is not human, but I do feel like there's this sort of undercurrent of like people who come from mixed heritage are like untrustworthy. And I just, yeah. I don't love it. I don't love it, especially given what we know about, you know, the cultural context and how mixed people get treated in Korea. I don't know. No, I agree. The cultural context absolutely matters because these uh, tropes tend to come from real life societal beliefs, right? That's that's what gets into your fiction. The politics of today is, you know, the fiction of today. So, yeah. yeah. So, because a lot of times... I mean, I don't watch a ton of like vampire and and supernatural creature stuff, but like I have seen stories where the protagonist is like half, you know, human and half supernatural or whatever. And for them, it's like this sort of conflict of like, do I go with my human side? Do I go with my quote unquote monster side? Does that monster side actually make me monstrous or do I have free? You know, like that conflict is a lot more interesting to me than this. I don't belong in either world, so I'm just going to become evil because, like, that's what happens when you marginalize people. No, it's not. Yeah. Both sides not rejected usually. me. Well, I belong nowhere, so I will destroy yeah. it. No, yeah. Look, the thing is, it's a valid point of view from uh, a character who does feel rejected by both sides of his heritage. So, you know, I, I can't gainsay that. But yeah, there is also a historical yeah. context there where, you know, traditionally um, people of mixed heritage are treated as if, you know, they will turn against you because they cannot possibly be loyal to yeah. either side. Okay, uh, the, I just wanted to mention that uh, Kim Young-ji from, if, if you guys remember her uh, as being this cafe owner, uh, what was what, the Emin Ho drama, the one that Saya really liked and I I sort of like. The Eternal King? Monarch. Yeah. Eternal King? It, King. The, the King Eternal, Eternal Monarch. Monarch. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm all over the place today. Um, so she was this cafe owner uh, in one universe and a secret agent Twitter handler in the, another show. <laughs> Twitter handler? Yeah, she was what? a social media expert. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> but she was also... It's like, you know, when you have like a wild animal, you need a handler. It's like Twitter is the wild animal. You need like a, you know, the, that would not a, be... a tiger handler. It checks out. The Twitter handler needs a Twitter handler. <laughs> Oh, I'm finding all sorts of stuff funny today. You guys, it's like early in the morning for Poromon. It's late at night for me. So you're getting like a very silly version of us. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, apologies. Uh, so she's in here and uh, I'm I'm kind of interested to see what she does. Like, because I haven't seen her in any, in any other dramas. So yeah, I just, I just found her really funny there because she did deadpan pretty well. And uh, she was paired with uh, Udo Han. Um, so yeah, let's see what, what, what turns up here. And the other thing is, the screenwriter of this also wrote Children of a Lesser God. And I think Saya said that she really enjoyed that. So maybe um, this, because the screenwriter has done well in the past, she might do a really good job with um, this premise, even though I've expressed my doubts. But um, you never know until you watch it, right? Yeah, that's true. The only uh, thing is, though, that we have seen from experience that, you know, the PD writer uh, grouping have to be perfect for most fantasies that's to work true. well or most stories to work well. Um, and hey, let's see, because the problem is that from what I've seen of the trailer, it's uh, the dynamics of these characters are very conventional in that it harks back to the kind of dynamics you've seen in the 2000s a lot so it doesn't feel very fresh though I that's not necessarily a bad thing because I mm. often go back to watching stuff that's familiar and tropey because that's just comforting for me and I'm looking forward to this uh, at least you know partially because it's familiar and tropey I know what a kumiho is I know what like you know a ruthless kumiho character especially the male lead could be it just means that he's going to appear hard is fine. There is a beating heart under there. The heroine just has to uh, unearth it. This director, uh, like you mentioned, that the um, the writer PD combo has to be really good. This director did work on um, Children Never Less or God as well, so they've worked together before. So maybe um, you know they have a good working relationship, and that might help. Yeah. So the next drama is Search, which is releasing on October seventeenth. It stars Jang Dong Yoon and Crystal. Hey, I haven't seen her in anything in ages. Yeah. Um, and also Moon Jung Hee. I I like her. I like her a lot. Yes, we love Moon Jung Hee. Yeah. Oh, it also has Park Yoon. I did not notice this. I haven't seen him in anything since Radio. Radio. What was that? Romance. Is that the last thing he did? I don't. I haven't seen him in anything after that, and he was 
awful there by the, the look there should have been an entire conversation about his character back then but i don't think any of us we were all so shocked with the main pair we never actually went into discussing how awful his character was he plays a lot of jerks doesn't he i feel like the last time i saw him he was playing the jerk in introverted boss the second lead that's right he actually he was a pretty great jerk hey baba he's good at the jerk thing he really he is he was he, he really was he was bringing in a level of nuance to being a jerk in introverted boss that i don't think the drama deserved <laughs> Okay um so the synopsis for this drama uh thanks to MDL says oh apparently thanks to Sumpi that's the source um says a survival story about a search party that battles against monstrous creatures oh hey it's more interesting than i thought <laughs> it will highlight <laughs> discovering it as you read <laughs> yeah It will highlight the heartwarming bond between the members of the search party as they struggle to escape the demilitarized zone together. Oh, I guess that's where all the monsters live. Ah, uh, the DMC. The story begins as a military dog handler who's only a month away from his discharge date gets seconded to the gets seconded seconded to the search party and encounters a monster in the demilitarized zone. Just please don't don't have any dogs dying. I'm just I, that's all I ask. Yeah, maybe it's because he's like good with animals, so they're like, yeah, go yeah, deal yeah. with these scary that, monsters. That, that, that's more like. But he doesn't have to take his poor <laughs> dogs with him. No, but you Hopefully. know what? In every and it also makes sense if you're hunting monsters because dogs are excellent trackers. Oh wait, I have now gone that's into true. the mode of brainstorming fiction. That's not what this is about. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I do find it really interesting how they're um, putting these monsters. in a very symbolic uh, maybe it's like a really on the nose symbol but they're literally putting these monsters at the border yeah. at the DMZ yeah. not a not a bad metaphor i like it i i like it too but um if, if the if, if the metaphor is talking about um how monsters that line is for like civilians and not <laughs> that the monsters are coming from the north because <laughs> i think that might spark political um uh, that would be bad <laughs> yeah hopefully not <laughs> Yeah. Crash landing on you did some good uh it did some good work. Let's it, not undo exactly. that work. Exactly. It, it it tried yeah. its best. <laughs> okay. Yeah, honestly, I don't have much to say about this. This is really this seems more of Saya's thing. It both has fantasy and a uh, element of, you know, romance. It does it? I is it is it? I didn't think there was an element of romance yeah, one at of all. The, <laughs> one of the tags. I mean, it's a military story. Of course there's going to be romance. Come on, Borma. Well, yes. Romance, yes. I heard romance and I was like, "What?" <laughs> no, no, no. I said romance. I said romance. Romance, romance word. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, they are it isn't just like a band of brothers type thing. Like they have like if you look at the poster, two of the five main characters are female. That's true. It's not a band of brothers thing, but it's yeah, it it just seems like it could be fun because they have like that fantasy horror element. So, let's see. Yeah, it's kind of in that like vein of like horror movies where it's like a bunch of military people who like go and like hunt the predator and like defend the earth from these monsters, which is always fun. You know what I'd be really interested to see is what kind of CGI they use on this because while You know the CGI has improved a lot it still is often like especially if you've watched nurse uh, school nurse files the CGI is pretty impressive but it's also very in some ways that there it there are rough edges so yeah I'd actually be interested to check out what the CGI looks like mm. Yeah, it's OCN, so I'm thinking like not like a super high budget, but not like a super crappy budget either, right? Yeah, exactly. So the next one, the next one is also premiering on October 17th. Um, but it's called Startup. It's a Park Hyeon drama. Um, and if you don't recognize her name, she's the writer of You Who Came from the Stars, Pinocchio. It's a good pedigree. Uh, what else does she write? Uh, I can hear her voice, right? Yeah. So she's like a star writer. We 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 tend to like her stuff. It's set in South Korea's fictional Silicon Valley called Sandbox. So it it's basically about people in startup companies, which sounds very like 1999 <laughs> to me, but that's okay. Um but she she like the protagonist Talmi who's played by Susie dreams of becoming Korea's Steve Jobs. So she's an adventurer who doesn't own much but has a grand plan for herself. She also has experience in a wide range of part-time jobs and is a person of great vitality. But does she have a tech background? I don't 
Okay, anyway. Um, the hero, or the, the, the male male lead, is Dosan. He's the founder of Samsung Tech. He was once the pride of his family as a math genius, but for the past two years, he's been going nowhere with his company's investments. It turns out that Dalmi, the heroine, remembers him as her cool first love. Oh, the first loves. And he decides <laughs> to begin a startup in the hope of turning her misunderstanding into reality. What misunderstanding? Okay. <laughs> That's a legitimate reason to start a company, not... Oh, you're right. It, it does start Nam Ji-yuk. Why is this guy in so many lead roles? Okay, anyway. Han Ji-byung begins a startup company to pay off his debt. So he's a team leader at Avenger Capital. Um... And he's like a very fancy, smart investor, I guess. But he's prickly to most others, but softer than anyone to one special person. Oh, of course. Who granted him a great favor in the past. Okay. And that's um, Kim Sun-ho's character. Okay. Yeah. And then there's like a CEO who's very beautiful and she's very privileged and she's a second generation table. Of course she is, but she hates where she came from and she wants to make it on her own. However... She gets used and thrown away by her father, and so she starts. She throws herself into a startup. But she, this this lady has a better like backstory than our heroine. <laughs> what? That's Kang Hana. She's the most interesting character, <laughs> but she's not the hero. Oh my god! Why? Mm. Why? No, listen, listen. I don't have the general animosity people have towards Wei Susi, <laughs> but. Because I quite liked her in While You Were Sleeping. Uh, that's honestly the only thing I, I remember her in. But I had, did not watch Uncomfortably Fond. Comfortably Fond? Unfortunately Fond. <laughs> Uncontrollably Fond. <laughs> but I kind of like Uncomfortably Fond better. <laughs> I watched that show. It sounds like a really awkward and funny rom-com. <laughs> yeah. I would watch that. Uh, okay. I should miss these ideas. Okay. Hmm. So you know what I you know what I have I have so many complaints from that synopsis. I quite I I liked the trailer because it was all flashy and you know all of that stuff. But I kind of assume assume that um Shyodalmi, the BCC character had some kind of a background in tech, but apparently she's just got background and lots of part time jobs. And yeah, like you can't become Steve Jobs from Candy. I like. Uh, no, and look, I I quite like the you know uh, bootstraps the entrepreneur spirit because hey that's what I'm doing. I I get man, I empathize. But you don't start a company to get back with your first love. And what is that? Yeah. I I'm um, I don't yeah. Deep, well he well she's not doing that. Oh, he is. Oh, is he? She just wants to. She yeah. She wants to become Korea's Steve Jobs. He wants her to love him. So he's so he's beginning a startup. Also, like, are they all beginning a startup? Because that's what it sounds like. Each person is starting a startup, or are they starting a you startup? Know, it's it's possible that it's that, that initially they were they tried to start up their own startups, but the startup tanks, <laughs> like most startups do in the first like three years of starting something. But um, yeah, then maybe they team up because it kind of like with the posters and stuff, it looks like they team up eventually. The only reason that I would want to watch this, it would be if it was about like Kang Hana's character um, taking down terrible tech bros. But I have a feeling that's not what this is drama. What this drama is no, about? So because our hero and our possibly hero's friend, or maybe secondly, I don't know, they are tech bros. You cannot diss tech bros while your heroes are tech bros. <laughs> Mm, yeah but you know what it's not so 90s for um you know the setup like at least in korea because it's a pretty um newish idea for startups to be mainstream like usually it used to be one of those things that you would do out of a shoebox and people would look down on you at, as it usually happens with people who start up startups <laughs> You don't wear suits and fancy stuff and all of that stuff. You tend to just do stuff quietly behind a computer for years. <laughs> While your relatives mm. think that you're holed up in there doing nothing. And yeah, booting up your parents probably. <laughs> so, oh my God, my bitterness is showing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is maybe, maybe this is just one of those situations where like the English title has a very particular connotation yeah. to me mm-hmm. because of my particular... Like when I grew up and my geographical location, and that's probably not how it. I'm sure that's not what they mean. Yeah, that whole, um, you know, that halcyon '90s uh, tech startup situation 
that was happening in in the US is kind of happening now in Korea with like all of the mm. uh, tech companies that are coming up now and yeah so it it kind of makes sense it just took a while to be mainstream because Korean society as a whole doesn't think that entrepreneurship is something to be celebrated you you, you should have a stable job get a stable job man and stick to it <laughs> get a stable job at a large corporation exactly yes <laughs> And the next one is The Spies Who Loved Me, which is releasing on October 21st. Ah, I have been yes. waiting for this drama for a month. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm really excited. It's got Yuena finally in a lead role. I haven't seen her in a decent lead role in so long. No, I have. I have. What am I saying? I, ha- I have seen her in a pretty she good... She was good in Reach of Sincerity. Yeah, I have. I have. But I missed her because it's been like almost what a year two years maybe last year yeah i think it, it was last year but it's i look she, this woman doesn't get cast in lead roles as often as she should <laughs> so it's yeah agreed for me it's yeah anyway um and and her love interest is eric moon eric moon you guys eric moon um, but yes eric moon sorry yeah, no, he's like one of my original K-drama like leading men that I was just like, oh my god, I will watch everything that you ever do in your life. So I'm very excited. He hasn't done a drama since he got married, right? Or has he? And I no, just, he did uh, Mama Fairy and the Woodcutter, like a brief appearance or something. Oh, he did a frog. <laughs> a frog? Yeah, he played the he, he did the voice for a frog. I actually noped out of that drama in the first episode. That doesn't so. count. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yeah, but apparently he. Did a, he did a, uh, or he is going to do, I, no, it's already aired, Eccentric Chef Moon. Yeah, that was like supposed to air and then did it start airing? Everything is so up in the air that like I can no longer remember when anything is yeah, airing. Yeah, but yeah, the last time he did a major drama or any drama was Another Miss O, which is what I remember him from. I mean, I know he was in Discovery yeah. of Romance, but honestly, I barely remember anything of that <laughs> drama. Look. Listen, I watched the entire Myungwoo the Spy for him. Oh, wow. I watched some of Strongest Chilu. Wow. It wasn't good. Don't ever watch it. And anyway, it's old. Did, did you watch But yeah, I fell in love with him in um Yeah, that's where the first time I saw him wow. and he was so good in that and he also like destroyed my heart and afterwards I was like depressed. Um it was a really intense ride. That drama is an intense ride. I don't know if I would enjoy it if I watched it now because it's very dark. Wow. Um it's very dark. It's very good. It's kind of twisted. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it and I loved him and I loved Jung Yumi after that. Still one of Jung Yumi's best roles. This is the Jung Yumi that did um, the school nurse files. Okay. That's cool. Um, so when they did Discovery of Romance together, I was like very excited. I was like, finally, they're reuniting. So yes, I, I have a lot of feelings. I'm sorry. I totally derailed no, this. No, no, no. We can talk about the synopsis. This is what we do. <laughs> and also he was in Super Rookie, which I've been meaning to watch for ages and have not managed to. Yes, I watched Super Rookie for him too. I did. I watched that whole thing. It's like very goofy and... Yeah, um, and I like his hair he's, he's very charming in it. All right, so... On to the synopsis, because that's what we are in the business of doing here. Kangaryum, which is Yuvina, um, is a wedding dress designer who has been married twice. Her two husbands harbor many secrets, and Aryum <laughs> gets swept up in them. Okay, Junji Hoon. Junji Hoon would be Eric Nam. Uh, no, Moon. What am I saying? Why do I keep calling him Nam? I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Junji Hoon, which is Eric Moon. Um, disguises himself as a travel writer, but he's actually a secret agent for Interpol. His job as a secret agent is a way for Junji Hoon to support himself financially. What? No. What? What? Uh, that's never a reason that they give for a secret agent's <laughs> life. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm poor, okay? I had to be a spy. <laughs> Oh, wait, they did do that in Good Casting. They did that in Good oh, Casting. Oh, yeah. Where, like, two of the three women um, playing the agents were basically, like, forced into, like, financially forced into uh, going undercover. Their, you know, NSA bosses were like, we'll just stop, you know, covering for your debt and you can just get out of that apartment that we gave you with your family and baby. <laughs> and they're like, okay, fine, we'll go undercover and risk our lives. Okay. Um, he's currently divorced. He was married to Kangaryum, but they divorced without Kangaryum learning about his secret life as a spy. 
and I guess having a secret like that would really like stress your marriage. Um, Kangaroo now works as a wedding dress designer. She met Derek Hyun after her divorce and they eventually married. Her current husband works as a diplomatic official and seems gentle and warm. His secret, this is M. Johan. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, this is M. Johan. His secret is that he is actually a cold-blooded industrial spy. Oh, okay. Uh, Derek Hyun treats his wife sweetly, but for his job as an industrial spy, he will do anything. He loves Kangaroo sincerely. But he also hides his true self from her. So I'm actually really conflicted yeah, about this. I figured you would be. Because I want them both to be the male lead. <laughs> That's like not possible. And like if he actually loves her and they're married right now, like I don't yeah. really want them to break up. But, uh, you know, he's a ruthless industrial spy. And whenever they put in the word ruthless, that basically he's a means bad he's man. a bad man. Yeah, he's done some bad mm. shit. I, I do find it interesting because I originally when I heard this premise, I thought they were like spying for the government and like maybe they were in like, a, you know, warring agencies or maybe like one of them was a North Korean spy and one of them was like a South Korean spy. But like one of them works for Interpol and one works for like a corporation. So it's weirdly like dis- it, it's like disconnected from national <laughs> politics, Yeah, which is a very interesting and different I don't know. That's that's not what we usually get, right? That isn't. That's true. And uh, have you noticed that the for instance with good casting, it was mostly industrial spying as well. I think in, in uh, lately, and this might just be um, an observation that's coming to. I mean, I'm, it, the data pool is too small. Lately, it seems like a lot of the dramas that are coming out, they aren't really exploring the conflict of North and South too much, and is not really connected to the geopolitics of the current um, years. Um, it is a little like you still get the same tropes, the same kind of stories, but slightly disconnected from reality, so to speak, which could simply I'm not saying that the government mandated that they do it because, you know, I mean, South Korea is also simply not China, but uh, there are certain etiquettes that um, broadcast channels follow when certain political situations start cropping up and they follow a kind of trend in what is okay to explore in dramas and what is not. It's a very subtle thing that's never written down. So I'm kind of wondering if something like that is happening right now, that, you know, politics of the time is affecting the kind of stories that come out. It's a, it's interesting because, like, doing that can help you avoid, like, nationalist narratives, mm-hmm. but it can also just avoid... Conversations. Like, it just can, like, make the story really apolitical in a way that just avoids talking about anything important. So then there's that us. But it really depends on the writer. That's true. But coming back to this story, um, yeah, I mean, I I kind of suspect that this is more like the way the story has been set up. It's more that Yuna's uh, Yuna's character Arium is probably still in love with her first husband and doesn't exactly know why the marriage exploded or something. And so he comes back because maybe he's working on a on, on the same case as her current husband and shenanigans ensue. <laughs> I, I, or maybe he's trying to catch her current husband because he's a ruthless, <gasps> cold-blooded murderer and he's on the Interpol's most wanted list. <laughs> yeah. So, that could be a you thing. You know, I always find that so fascinating. Like when you have, because it's not like it, this is done the first time. I've, you've seen this in, you know, shows and dramas and stories before where you have like the end game love interest kind of coming in and trying to arrest or, you know, catch or pursue the current uh, the boyfriend husband character and then it turns into this big conflict where like the female character is is kind of split between who do I trust who's telling the truth and then you have this final confrontation where like the two uh, current and (laughs) future love interests are kind of like facing off and sometimes sometimes the current love interest ends up dying at the hands of the future love interest and that is a trauma I don't really want for our heroine, but I've seen it happening. That relationship has no future. <laughs> right? I'm just gonna tell you. That I mean, now. every minor argument will end up with "You killed my husband." <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like the worst possible ammunition to give the other person for fights. Oh God! You will never be able to have a response for that. It's just, yeah. yeah. The interesting thing is that this writer is, um, he's a novelist 
and a screenwriter, but he he worked on The Age of Shadows, which was really good and really well written, but also Elung, The Wolf Brigade, which was like the worst. <laughs> so I have no idea what to think. Uh, he also worked on High Society, I guess. Oh, I like High Society. Very tropey, but fine. But I think this High Society oh, is not okay. the drama. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, it's a movie. It's a movie. Yeah. So this is not that High Society. So, okay. so he's written a lot of movies, so I'm not sure... If he's, I don't know if he's actually done a drama before. I don't think he has, um, which kind of worries me because um, we all remember Seventh Level Civil Servant, which was a great movie and a trash fire of a drama. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. But he's uh, he's still pretty new. He's just started uh, with his with this movie in 2016. So, you know, he's time to establish himself. Let's see. Oh, and like, this is just for me and you. But um, the director was the, also the director of Woman with a Suitcase. Oh, my like, God. I know that. Oh, my. I, yeah. How is this just between us? We have to warn people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So actually, we should mention this is the director of Woman with a Suitcase and like, that gives me a lot of pause as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll have to watch this and <laughs> report back. I'm trying to see if I've watched anything uh, that this director has done, and no, Woman with a Suitcase is the only one, and that was not that was not pleasant, guys. That I I recap that one. Take my word for it. Yeah, and I remember watching it and being like, this directing. <laughs> Makes no sense. Like, why, why did this image go into this next other image? I don't... Like, there's no visual logic. Yeah, I don't the know. The story we'll had see. no logic. It was the weirdest story. I mean, the concept was great. Which, kudos to the writer. But the actual, uh, yeah, show was just... So on that note... Yeah, on that note... The next one is uh, airing on October 23rd. And it's called Fly From Rags to Riches. It stars... Kwon Sang-woo, Bae Sang-woo, Kim Joo-yeon, and Jung Woo-gin as the main four main leads. Um, and it's about it was this one was originally announced as delayed justice. I, so if that sounds familiar, I remember hearing like some casting news when people were still calling it delayed justice. But it's about um, Pak Taehyung and Pak Samsu who fight for judicial victims who are falsely accused. So Pak Taehyung is a public defender. Um, he's the son of an undertaker on an island. Like, that's how he grew up. He did not take the typical route to become a lawyer. After graduating from high school, instead of going to university, he passed the bar exam and became a lawyer. He's full of justice and has empathy for others. He will defend all kinds of petty offenders. Um, but his legal career has a turning point when he becomes the first attorney to win a general criminal retrial case. And Samsu, a reporter, has worked since university, he's worked as a non-permanent employee, but because of his writing skills, excellent writing skills, he became a reporter, and he looks for stories that are ignored or passed over by other reporters. He's easily moved to tears and is soft-hearted. So Taeyang is played by Kwon Sang-woo, and Bae Sang-woo is going to be played by Park Samsu. And I just want to say, like, Bae Sang-woo, as somebody who's easily moved to tears... <laughs> really tickles me because the last time I saw him it was as this like really tough um like kind of like extremely troubled like brutal cop in live yeah. and he was actually really good in that he had this whole arc where he realized how trashy of a person he was and that he needed to change and like that he needs to like work on his marriage anyway but he was like really tough like he's such a tough guy he looks like a tough guy so yeah that's true this is very interesting i um so there are two men that i i want to talk about like of course the lead kwang sangbo i haven't seen him in anything since uh the that mystery queen of mystery mystery queen yeah he was really good in Queen of Mystery. Yeah, I, I I loved him there. Um, though the the sequel kind of disappointed. Um, so yeah, we don't talk we about don't. Mystery Queen we, too does not. on this podcast. Ne- never happened. It doesn't exist. So yeah, so I I have I have fond memories of him from that casting, and I and I look forward to this. Um, also, Jang Wong In, <laughs> whom I watch in anything, but I always expect him to turn out evil. <laughs> And <laughs> <laughs> he's always going to be a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. Or a really bad older brother. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what, what he's not mentioned in the synopsis. So I have no idea what his role is in okay. this. It's also adapted from a, a novel. So 
Okay. The story is already kind of there. So. Okay. And there's uh, they haven't so. released posters or trailers. It just has like um, script reading images. So I think it's probably. Are you sure it's coming out this month? I mean, I'm not sure anything is coming out this month because the world is on fire. Yeah. But there are definitely um, certain dramas that just don't have as much like promotional material and it just kind of starts airing it's from sbs so i feel like there are some channels that are really good at putting out promotional uh, material early like jtbc and um tvn tends to be really good um but some channels don't so maybe it's one of those yeah that's that's probably it it's um I, i just imagine how frenetic the production must be at this point if it's coming out on 23rd maybe they didn't have time to make posters yeah like (laughs) they're too busy filming oh i just pray that like i just wish for everyone's health who's having to do anything right that's true with other people inside yeah Yeah. like i like i see these bts um again bts as in behind the scenes yeah we just we should just use the football (laughs) we we just always have to (laughs) clarify that acronym from now on but i see all these like behind the scenes photos you know like at the end of a drama um oh by the way if you um, didn't like watch the end credits and the very last episode of My Unfamiliar Family, it was such a beautiful, you know how like at the end they usually have um, credits to thank the cast and everything? Yeah. The way that they did the credits was like really nice. Like they just have pictures in frames as if they're like family photos. Oh, I have seen it. For all, yeah, the, for all the cast and then like for the sound, like the, for the camera people, like they have a picture of the, all of the camera working people. Um, I know there's a proper name for them. I'm sorry. But they're all like in the view screen of a camera. Like it's like it's like related to whatever they did and they kind of incorporate the tools of their trade, but it also looks like nostalgic, like old things from your family. Cinematic reference. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> but it's just like a really... Be- so like if you watch that drama and you just like turned it off when it ended, like you should go back and watch that because it's really... It, it was beautiful. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it, it was done really nice. And it's not often that dramas give credit to its crew. So, you know, it was it was a great drama. So and it ended a great way. But the thing that really concerned me when I saw that was like every single person in the crew was wearing masks and some of them like had like pictures with masks and then I was like but the but the people who had to like act and like touch each other and like kiss like I just like worry about their health I don't know I I know I I kind of wondered about that too because like when you see behind the scenes every member of the crew is wearing masks or PPE and the actors just aren't so it's one of those weird times where the actors are like the least privileged people (laughs) on the set yeah and the only drama that I've actually seen where you could like see physical evidence of the pandemic in the way that they filmed the drama was um, Into the Ring, which I've only seen four episodes of. I'm like, I'm planning to finish it, but there's scenes during the election where like you can see that the audience is not sitting, like their chairs have been like space. And like at first I was just like, this is, there's something weird about the scene. Like what uh. is weird? And I, and it like took me like a few minutes to be like, oh, the chairs of the audience are socially distanced. And I was like, oh, this is the first time I've actually seen the evidence of that on screen. Um, but I don't think I've noticed it in anything else. Nice, man. And I mean, I am watching some pre-produced stuff. Like, I'm pretty sure Record of Youth was pre-produced because Bogami's in the army yeah. now. And like, Stranger 2 is pre-produced. And that was in the can a while ago. But yeah, I don't know if you've noticed that stuff. But we just wish them health and safety. Yeah. And it's okay if you want to like push air dates further back. We gripe would be actually quite okay with that. We can wait. Yes, we have... <laughs> Plenty of things to watch. We do. And rewatch. I And also watch for the first time that you should have watched earlier. Signal. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> yes, judging you. Okay. Onwards to Penthouse War in Life, which is on 26th October. And this is the story of a woman who strives to achieve her goal of entering high society by becoming the queen in the 100th floor penthouse in Gangnam, the pinnacle of success in her eyes as well as women who had no choice but to become villains in order to protect themselves. And this stars Eugene, whom I have heard of but not seen in anything, Kim Soyeon, and Ijia. I have definitely seen Ijia in something, I just don't remember what. Um, oh, and in the, I'm assuming, uh, the husband cast, Um <laughs> uh, Ki-jun, Park Yun-suk, and uh, Yoon Jong-hun. Yeah, I don't know the men. I know the women, though. 
the women i mean i'm like i have no interest in this plot but i really kind of want to see these three women sharing the same space like that sounds amazing i'm trying to oh she was in my mister i knew i'd seen her in something oh egs yeah oh she was apparently also in drama world um she had a guest role Huh. I didn't actually watch enough of that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the last thing I saw her in was Athena. Mm. Yeah, she was a main role. And then after that, she had to disappear for a while because um, everyone found out that she was divorced. And apparently, like, that was a crime that no, that no woman can be forgiven for. So What? Yeah. Oh, my God. Were you... Were you like, do you, do you not remember that? It was such a huge scandal. No, because I came into Drama Land in about uh, 2012-ish, early 2012-ish, like February uh, 2012. I actually remember the month. This is sad. <laughs> wow. But, yeah. yeah, no, I don't remember like when it was now, but um, they they like, so it, they found out or like the news came out that she had been married and divorced to um, like the most famous musician in korea um but like nobody ever knew like they secretly got married and secretly got divorced and then she was publicly dating jungwoo sung at the time okay um and so like so what uh, it was a huge scandal her husband turned like hostile or something like ex-husband turned hostile no what the hell happened they just got divorced like they just got no, no, divorced I mean, like, why and then was like it a scandal like who outed her why was it a bad thing aside from it was a scandal because it was a secret basically oh. it's ridiculous so was- and because and because um like he is so famous I can't remember his name, but he's like the, like, well, I hesitate to even say this now, but like people used to call him like the Michael Jackson of Korea. Like that's how famous he was. Okay. And is. And like now he just like secretly lives in his mansion and like people barely ever see him. And once in a while he like drops an album and everyone's like, oh my God, you're a genius. (laughs) I mean, he's extremely talented. Okay. Um, He's one of those characters that Korean dramas, you know, revolve around. Yeah, he's like one of those eccentric geniuses, but like he's actually real. Um, but he's he's like has he lives a very private life, and it was just I feel like part of why people reacted negatively to to it, it was because she was I think that some people had a perception that she was not very talented, but she got a bunch of lead roles in a row, um, and then people were saying, "Oh, now we know why she became oh, famous," which is that. like so gross because people never say that about men, yeah. right? So, so after that, like, she broke up with Jung Sung and then, like, nobody heard from her for years. Yeah. But, I mean, I've I've always found her to be fine. Wow. I mean, I guess in comparison, Song Hye Kyu did well. <laughs> the woman refused to hide. I mean, I just, like, wow. <laughs> oh, okay. See, like, this was so long ago that, like, I had forgotten about this. But the, the, the news of their relationship came out when she filed for divorce. Ah. That's when it became public because, like, obviously you have to go to the courthouse and file for divorce and somebody leaked it. Right. That, so. Dang. Yeah. I could see how that would, like, blow up. You know, people are just. Yeah. They all for update. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen her in something uh, which was, like, my mister. And um, she was kind of, like, she was, she was. She was a really interesting actor. And then I didn't see her in anything uh, in, in the last two years. So I was like, wondering, <laughs> what the heck? Like, where did she go? So, yeah, I'm glad to see her back. I don't know if I'll be watching this. Uh, it's not exactly in my wheelhouse. However, sometimes this kind of like world of the married, you know, these things kind of like just take off if the story is engaging enough. And if it does, just like world of the marriage, which is also not in my wheelhouse, I guess I'll go and watch this. <laughs> This one. So the next one is Kairos. So this stars uh what's his face? The one with the twisted ring that's always killing people in you who came from the stars. Oh my god, Shin Sungrok. <laughs> my my brain just left for a second. But this one is a crime drama. And here's the synopsis, and then we can discuss. Kim Sojin, who is played by Shin Sung-ruk, is a man who is driven only to achieve success in his life. Thanks to his efforts, he is the youngest executive at his company. His life is perfect with his beautifulest, <laughs> no, <laughs> beautiful violinist wife, Kang Chan Che, and a daughter. And his wife is played by um, Nam Gyuri. His wonderful life comes to a halt when his young daughter is kidnapped. He falls deep into despair. To change the past 
When his daughter was kidnapped, he contacts Han Eri, who is the heroine, approximately one month in the past. And um, that's Iseyang. Han Eri has busy days with her studies and working a part-time job to make enough money to pay for her sick mother's operation. One day, her mother suddenly goes missing. Han Eri falls into despair when Kim Sojin from the future contacts her. So, oh, so it's crime and time travel. Yeah. I'm a bit confused about the time traveling element here but then i think that might be the fault of the synopsis yeah like why would you why would you contact some random <laughs> student yeah but uh it seems pretty high production it's mbc and also shin sung rook in, in a character that is not like unduly annoying <laughs> and <laughs> he can do annoying pretty well though yeah i mean in this he sounds ambitious but not weird but i kind of enjoy him when he's weird yeah, so, so i don't he know he has amazing comic time. I mean, he needs a lead he needs a romance lead role where he can just be comic and weird but not be uh i don't know super hostile mean? and unkind yeah exactly yeah yeah i mean that's what i was hoping perfume would be and maybe it does turn into that later so i need to go back and watch that um but yeah this is the last one that has an actual air date okay. Which, like, I don't know if I mentioned, but it's October 26th. And the other thing is, I couldn't find any details about the screenwriter, except that they also wrote Crime Squad in 2011, if anybody I, remembers I that drama. Sorry. It was a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's, like, three undated October dramas, which... Do you mind if I just, like, quickly yeah, go yeah. through them? So one of them is called Awaken. It's called... Or, like, the literal title is Day and Night. And it stars Nam Gung Min. It's on TVN. Um, and it's just about like a town that has mysterious cases in it. And these two leads try to uncover the secrets behind the cases from 26 years ago and the present day cases. So it's just like a crime drama. Um, so it starts Nam Gung Min and Sol Hyun. Mm -hmm. Sol Hyun, I think, uh, from SNSD. Mm -hmm. And there's one called If I Cheat, I Die, literal title. Um, but it stars Cho Yo Jung. Uh, Cho Yo Jung, if you remember her from Parasite. Um, it, she's a best-selling writer who writes crime stories dealing with cruel murder cases. Um, and she constantly thinks about how to kill people for her novels. Um, and her husband is played by Go Jun, who's a lawyer specializing in divorce. Um, and he wrote a memo to his wife stating, if I cheat, I die. Ah, I see. So it's a promise. It's a, it's a, it's a promise. And like, I have a feeling that he's going to cheat and then maybe she's going to kill him. Oh my so. God. <laughs> Okay, look, it's like quarter to 12 right now. I'm really tired. Yeah, but this, this, this might turn out to be good. I quite like this. Maybe she's just going to like kill him in her novel if he cheats on her. And then he actually dies and the police are like, haha, you meant to kill him. It was a motive. It was a confession. <laughs> okay, this is going off the yeah, rails. Anissa's really tired and we need to wrap this up. Sorry. Yeah, this is also the writer of Mystery Queen 1 and oh. 2. Make of that what I you will. I liked one, not so much two, so. I liked one as well, yeah. Um, but a lot of that had to do with the director of, of Mystery Queen yeah. 1. And the last one that is um, without a date is called Revenge. And it's airing on TV Chosun. And it stars Kim Sarang and Yoon Hyun-min. Um, and it's about a reporter who married a celebrity and became an influencer. Yeah. But then she became involved in a fake scandal and and descended into a bottomless pit and now seeks revenge. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Very over the top. <laughs> and that's Kim Sarang's character. And then Yoon Hyun-min plays a cold-blooded lawyer with a 100% win rate. That sounds corrupt. <laughs> After his family was... <laughs> After his family was trapped in a scheme and ruined, he only thinks about his success and getting revenge for his family. Right. That's all the information. So yeah, that's, I mean, it's on TV Chosen. How good can it be? True. But that was an that's entertaining synopsis anyway. <laughs> it was entertaining. Or maybe I'm just like really tired. <laughs> all right, guys. That's it for October, although it will probably change. Yeah, we don't promise anything like disclaimer, disclaimer. Hope you enjoyed this edition of two people who are very sleepy late at night and early in the morning. <laughs> you can come back to watch our comedy duo <laughs> later on the internet. <laughs> As usual, you can find me on the internet on Twitter at Anisa Khalifa underscore. You can find me at Festa Faster. You can find our podcast at Dramas Overflow. And that's on Twitter. And on Instagram, it's at Dramas Overflowers underscore. And you can email us um, at Dramas Overflowers. Uh, how do you? At, at gmail.com. Gmail oh my god. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, you can find our blog where we're currently about to wrap up our coverage of Stranger 2. And um, Boroma and Saya have been writing record of youth reviews at dramasoverflowers.net. So check that out. There's always some extra fun stuff on there. Thank you for listening, guys. Good morning and good night. Good night. Bye. Thank you.